All right, so as we tease off the top of the show, the next guest coming on, he is the man, the Toronto correspondent for NHL.com, SiriusXM, host of the Sunday Brunch. He is Mr. Dave McCarthy. He's here with us to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. My friend, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, and you say, in what? What one word comes to mind about this squad? Uh, one word. That's a really good question. I would say uh, pressure. I think there's pressure on this team right now to finally find a way to get it done. Um, under this iteration of the group, the, the Matthews, Nylander, Marner, if you even want to throw in by an extension Tavares era, uh, there have been very high expectations on this group, but they have yet to find a way to achieve any kind of tangible success. And quite frankly, I don't know how much longer, um, certainly ownership, but even maybe more by extension, the, the fan base will be willing to um, extend the team any more latitude at this point if they continue to fall well below expectations. So uh, that's the word that I would have to go with, pressure. Like I don't want to say it's a last dance connotation like that documentary about the Chicago Bulls, but because we forget they had actually won championships leading up to that, that year. In this yep. case, it's you know kind of a, a last dance situation because I think if – if 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 the season goes the way it has in recent years, um, in other words, if they they're out early in the first round, or if heaven forbid they don't make the playoffs, and I don't think that's necessarily a, a given either in this difficult Atlantic Division, uh, there will be changes. I, I think because how much longer can you continue with the same uh, approach where it yields no results before you arrive at the conclusion that it's time to try something else? Yeah, it's like, not a last dance; it's a last chance. Because, like you wow, said, that, yeah. Yeah, see, there there you go. Go. there's your there's your there's your headline. But uh, it's going to be, <laughs> it's definitely one of those years where if it doesn't work out, this team's got to be blown up. You probably see Morgan Riley leave. Probably see one of the big four traded, and then who knows after that with the front office and everything. That's just kind of what with, I see. The thing with Morgan Riley is he may well leave one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's the unfortunate part of it, unless they, they come to the conclusion that it is necessary to reallocate some resources. In other words, cut from up front to make sure you maintain something of consequence on the back end. Because I don't know about you guys, I, you follow the news over the off season. If you're an elite level defenseman, it's like uh, it's like an episode of Oprah out there this summer. You get nine million and you get nine million and everybody yeah. gets nine million. And Morgan Riley, he's, he's going to get you know, minimum, minimum eight, but you get into a bidding war, um, there will be a team, whether it's the Leafs or not, willing to offer him a great deal of money if he has any semblance of a half-decent season. Um, and, and regardless of which way it goes, he may he may leave one way or the other for the Leafs, which would be unfortunate. So you look at Morgan Riley and I ask the question, and the, the term hometown discount was floated a lot. With all those deals being signed, What's a hometown discount look like for Morgan Riley then? Is it seven five then? You know, take five hundred k off, or what does it look like? Is it eight million because everybody else got nine? I don't know. But if if he's willing to stay and take a haircut, that's great for the lease. But what's a haircut now after everybody got paid? Quite frankly, um, if I'm Morgan Riley and uh, I answer the phone, and I'm I'm not speaking as though this is what Morgan's told me. I'm just putting myself in his shoes. Let's just be clear here. But, but if I'm in his shoes and, and I get a phone call from Kyle Dubas and he says, hey, Morgan, look, we really want you around, but look, you, you got to log on to capfriendly.com, have a look at our cap structure. We're kind of up against it right now. You need, you need to give me a few dollars back. I hang up the phone immediately. 
if I'm Morgan Riley, because quite frankly, uh, nobody else had to take a hometown discount. Um, nobody else even took a reasonable contract, quite frankly. Um, everybody got overpaid. Um, you know, and that's not to take a, a shot at, at Austin or, or Mitch, because uh, a credit to them, they found a way to get the most money that they possibly could. Every single one of us here on this panel, if we were in a position like that, um, if that was available to us, we'd go down that road. So I credit them for that. But, you know, Mitch Marner is overpaid right now by by probably, what's he making, 10-9? He's, he's probably overpaid by two and a half million bucks. Let's just be honest here, right? That's a lot of money. Austin Matthews, um, he, look, he can't argue with what the with what he's able to do in the regular season but um you know could he could you have given him could you could could there have been a deal there at 10-5 well then there's another million bucks well there's suddenly you're looking at three and a half um William Nylander I know 6-9 is a pretty decent deal for what he's able to deliver but the way that deal was negotiated set precedent to suggest that if you um, stick to your guns. You will eventually get exactly what you want. So, you know, there's maybe 500K more there than there should have been. Well, now we're looking at four, four and change. Um, all of a sudden, that's, hey, maybe Zach Hyman's still around, whatever it is. That's what I'm saying. So no one else took took hometown discounts, let alone um, reasonable deals. They all got all of the money and more. So if I'm Morgan and you come to me now, as the only guy of real consequence on the back end, and you say to me, "Well, hey, I'm going to need you to take a, you know, a million dollars." Like, I'm sorry, no thanks. Like, I may want to stay in Toronto, and Zach Hyman, I can tell you, wanted to stay in Toronto as well. But um, the 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 offer that was extended to him was in no way comparable to what Edmonton was capable of doing, and at the end of the day he had to take the, the offer that, that just made the most financial sense. So um, that, that's kind of where it comes down to hometown discount um, that works in Tampa Bay boys. When um, Steven Stamkos took eight, five, when he could have probably taken 10 and then Nikita Kucherov took nine and a half and then Vasilevsky took nine and a half. So if I'm Braden point, okay, well, nine and a half is good for me too. When I probably could have gotten 10 and a half or 11. See what I mean? That works yeah, in Tampa. Yep. Doesn't work in Toronto. So it, it, it's not even a discussion worth having, quite frankly, if I'm Morgan Riley. Well, let's talk about the season that's going to be for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the additions they did make. Obviously, we started off a little doom and gloom about the pressure and the Morgan Riley. So let's talk about some <laughs> happiness, obviously. Um, you look at this Leafs team, and they did do some things with the limited cap space they had, bringing in Michael Bunting, bringing in Nick Ritchie, uh, you know, bringing in guys – to fill out this roster, David Camp, obviously our poor man's, uh, I guess, comparable to De, you know Dano, who shut down our best players. You know he's he's tasked with doing those same things. You know yeah. you heard Keith say it. So I'm wondering for you, all of these additions to this lineup obviously help bolster it in one way or another, whether it's physical play, this, that, or the other. Do you think this iteration of the Maple Leafs is a step better than last year's Maple Leafs? And I ask that because if you look at just from a pure point standpoint. They're not losing the goals they lost with Hyman. They still get that with Richie, 15 for 15. That's still there. The intangibles are different, yes, but the actual offensive output is still there. You look at Thornton. He tailed off towards the end of the season, so if you're bringing in Michael Bunting as a replacement for that, obviously you have more energy, uh, greasy little rat he was called. Um, And then David Camp is that center you've been coveting that can do the defensive thing, and that goes back two seasons now. 
yeah. where they want Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and such to be that defensive. So do you see these pieces giving this team a better chance at a complete game, PK, power play, and going forward? Yeah, I'll put it this way. I was skeptical coming into training camp, but with what I've seen in practices and um, the roles that they've kind of carved out for guys during preseason, I'm a little bit more optimistic. There's still a lot of hope involved here because um, if if there was assurance in what you were going to get, um, you'd be paying guys a lot more than a million bucks, one yep. one and change, two million bucks. You, you'd be getting Zach Hyman, who you're paying five and change for, right? So you know what you're going to get if you're getting Zach Hyman in Edmonton. Um, in, in Toronto right now, you hope that Nick Ritchie, for the first time finally in his career, is going to be able to, one, put together the consistency that he's never been able to do, to use the size that he has as a significant advantage um, and, and take advantage of that, and then three, find a way to to mesh with, with Matthews and Marner. Um, so far, so good. Uh, Michael Bunting, I'll be honest, I, I've, I've liked what I've seen out of this guy. He's not yeah. the biggest guy in the world by any stretch, but he's willing to go to the net, and um, not everybody is willing to do that. It takes something up here to be wanting to do that, regardless of what size you are. Because there are some guys that are built like condominiums in the NHL that have no interest in going to the front of the net. So even though he's not the biggest guy, he seems to be willing to do it. He needs to continue to be willing to do it, I think, in order to have success. And if he does, I think he, he will be relatively effective. Um, it's unfortunate now that Mikheyev's out for two months because he was having a really nice camp, but you know now that'll open up a, an opportunity for somebody else. David Camp, I can tell you, the, the the management group of this team has been eyeing for quite some time, and they've identified him as a guy that, as you said, can take on some of those minutes to try to shut down other teams' top players, and what that does is it might uh, lessen the load, unburden a guy like John Tavares, so to speak, in having to take on some of those heavier minutes, in Austin having to take on some of those heavier minutes so that it frees them up for uh, more production offensively. A lot of teams are starting to go down this road. Uh, as another example, I talked to Luke Robitaille back in the summertime from the Kings, uh, a team that could not score to help themselves last year. They, I think they were 27th in the league in goals. And I said, man, Luke, you're paying, <laughs> paying Philippe a lot of money, and this guy doesn't shoot it in the net all that often. How's that going to help you? Um, in terms of scoring goals. He said, well, the way we see it, um, it's going to help Ozzy, Ozzy Kopitar, score more. In other words, he was the guy that was taking on a lot of those heavy minutes. He was starting the defensive zone a lot of the time. And then uh, by the, the time he, he got the, his own end under control and got it out, we'd have to get off the ice. Well, now Deno can take on those minutes. You start Kopitar in the, in the offensive end, it'll help him produce more. That's what they're seeing in L.A. And I think Sheldon Keefe is going to use a similar approach to David Camp, give him some of those tough defensive zone minutes, um, and then free up guys like Austin and John and those lines in more offensive situations. They're already good offensive players. They could be maybe even better this year, unburdened to an extent. So that's encouraging. Um, so I guess the, the long-winded answer is I'm more encouraged than I was at the beginning of camp, but there's still – to me, at least, a lot of uh, let's wait and see what we get once the games uh, mean something. How big of a loss was Adam Brooks to this team today? Because I see a lot of people freaking out about it, and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, and I should have – I don't like getting into Twitter arguments anymore. Uh, but 
he's he's a replacement level player who you could find on waivers, which is exactly what happened to him. Am I underthinking that, overthinking it, or is that pretty much dead on? No, I think you're pretty much bang on. Look, I mean, the amount of people who, as you said, Josh, lose their minds. Abs- oh. I'm sorry, excuse my language, but there's some people on there who just lose their absolute fucking minds about it. Like, it's crazy, and I love it. <laughs> We're allowed to let it rip on this show, are we? Okay. I think um, so. Yeah. Um, well, no, like, here, here's the thing, right? If 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 you're on waivers, it's that the team doesn't see a role for you right now within their top 12 or 13 forwards. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means that they think they've got other guys who are better than you. So name me the last time a team um, has won the Stanley cup or not based on the comings or goings of a 15th forward. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah. So look, a- Adam Brooks is a nice player. I thought when, when he got in the lineup last year, I thought he was he was pretty good. I I liked what I what I saw out of Adam Brooks. But then you sit back and you ask yourself, okay, well, if you wanted to keep him around, in other words, not put him on waivers, who's coming out of this lineup? Well, can he take on David Camp's minutes? Well, no, I don't think he can. I don't yeah. think you want Adam Brooks going up against, um, you know, Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov or. Uh, Patrice Bergeron or Nick's, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you don't want him going up against that. Okay, well, um, what about Jason Spezza? Do we want him centering the fourth line? Well, n- no, because Jason Spezza can, one, he's a, he, he help you in a variety of ways. One, he's a great uh, face-off guy. Um, he's far better than Adam Brooks in that role. Two, um, yep. he's a guy that essentially quarterbacks the second power play unit and was quite efficient in in that in that job last year three um has proven himself to be a relatively productive penalty killer and four quite frankly at even strength for the amount of minutes that he gets is damn productive so okay well we don't want we don't want jason spezza coming out of the lineup um could you maybe put adam brooks in on the wing instead of michael amadio and maybe there's a, a debate there to be had the management group opted to go in a different direction. That's really the only debate that I think is, is worth having. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they came to the conclusion that they didn't like him on the wing. They wanted him at center and they liked Amadio on the wing more so than Brooks. But, you know, again, the fortunes of the Maple Leafs will not rest on the shoulders of Adam Brooks, whether or not he was retained or not. It'll rest on the shoulders of, Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares and Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin, if Jack Campbell can give him a save and, and that those type of, of guys. Adam Brooks' is depth, he's nice depth, but now you don't have him here, you find somebody else to fill that depth. Yeah, he's going to go score 30 in Montreal now, so yeah. good luck to him. It's just the way he's, 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 he's going to score on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. I well, ask for sure he's going to score on Wednesday night. It has to. <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, we spoke with Terry Koshan towards the end of last season with the exit interviews and stuff like that. Um, you know, he said the, the vibe around the room was different. That loss hit the team differently. Um, now that you're around the squad again and obviously seeing these guys going into this season, what's the vibe like there now with these guys? Is that energy still there where they don't like the taste that was in their mouth and they really are setting out to prove something? And is that energy starting to feed through this team? I will say that there is, to me, a remarkable lack of hangover 
from last year, and I say that as a positive thing. Um, what I get from from the group is that that guys understand what is before them now, and like we talked about earlier in the chat, if they don't find a way to get it done, they, I think there's an understanding that there will be will be changes. Um, but what I don't see is you know sort of a, a moping or a whine, certainly not a whining, but a um, an over concentration. Um, a paralysis, I think, would be a, a better uh, term to use uh, with what happened last year. And that is a good thing because you don't want to go into to, to this season being paralyzed by what happened last year. And there was a little bit of talk about last year, first two or three days of camp. And then since then, um, one, the, the guys have made it clear, Sheldon Keefe has made it clear that He's really no longer interested in entertaining questions about last year, and it made it even more difficult when the uh, when the Amazon documentary came out there on October first. Um, you know, you know, you're going to get asked about that, and he, he answered a few days of questions, and then he was like, "Look, I, that that's last year. We're not talking about that anymore. Now we're we're going to channel ahead to this year." And what I liked that what Sheldon Keefe said, and I thought this this was really a, a I don't, moving isn't the right word, but a a profound quote. Um, he, he was asked, look, do you, cause I think we can all agree here. The regular season doesn't matter, right? If they win 65 games and, and then lose in the first round, no one's going to sit back and say, Oh man, man, what a regular season, 65 games. That's something a record set all that. No one's saying that they lost in the first round. Doesn't matter. But yeah. he was asked if you, if you could get into a time machine, I bet you'd like to do it so that you could just get right back to the playoffs and then prove yourself once and for all. And he said, no, even if I had that opportunity, I, I, I wouldn't want to do that because what happens in, in May in the first round of the playoffs will be determined largely on the habits that we set for ourselves throughout the 82-game regular season. And yeah. if we kind of half-ass it and um, you know, find a way to back into the playoffs – and are not playing particularly good hockey, the first round is probably not going to go that good because you're probably going to end up playing a team like like Tampa Bay or Florida, um, maybe Boston in the first round. It's probably what's going to end up being if they end up making the playoffs. Um, if not them, a, a team in the Metro. And there's there's some legitimate teams in the Metro division through, through a wildcard matchup. So if you're no good in the regular season, you just find a way to back in. Um, you're not going to have the success that you want. You need to lay good foundation. You need to lay good habits during the regular season. And it starts today, uh, two weeks ago when he said it. But I, I get what he was saying. That to me, one, uh, he recognized what happened last season. But now, two, it's how do we correct that? The only way we're going to do that is to start today and build right throughout the regular season to hit the ground running in the playoffs. All right. Well, Dave, we look forward to speaking with you throughout the season. Hopefully get you back on for a longer. I want to thank you very much for joining the Leafs preview show for Offside tonight. Um, where can people find your work? Where can people find you in case they didn't already know where to find you? Uh, Sunday Brunch on uh, NHL Network Radio, uh, Channel 91 on the Sirius uh, XM uh, app, 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, and then uh, throughout the uh, the year on NHL.com. Uh, covering the Maple Leafs, and I guess Ice Cap as well. If you like post-game uh, shows, they're late for me, so it's always good to know someone's listening. Um, <laughs> usually uh, two or three times a week on NHL Network Radio once the uh, the night's action is done. Well, we'll look forward to it and look forward to having you back on throughout the season to talk about all our hot takes exposed. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. All right, Thanks, have buddy. a good night.